Hello, welcome back to Adventures in Angular, the podcast where we keep you updated on all things Angular related. This show is produced by two awesome companies, Top End Devs and Envoy. Top End Devs is where we create top end devs who get top end pay and recognition while working on interesting problems and making meaningful community contributions. And Envoyed, which offers remote design and web development services with specialization in Angular for companies that truly care about quality. In today's episode, we will talk about tech conferences. How is the attendee experience? What is it like to go to a conference? What should you expect? What are the benefits of attending tech conferences? And what if you want to speak? How is the process to be a speaker? What is expected of you? What is paid by the event organizers? And what comes out of your own pocket? What are the benefits of speaking at tech conferences? My name is Lucas Paganini. I am the CEO of Envoyed and your host in the podcast. Joining me in today's episode is my lovely co-host, Subrat Mishra. Hey, everyone. And our guest again, because he was already here uh, in a previous episode, which was awesome, talking about uh, how to become a Google developer expert. Here we have Alain Chateau. Hello, how are you? <laughs> awesome. Glad to have you two here. I am aware that you have spoken at several conferences in the past, so and I don't know, but I imagine that you have attended conferences too. Mm -hmm. So I think you can give us a really good uh, view of your own experience of what you think about how is it like um, to from both sides, right? So maybe we can get started from the attendee experience, since I think that's the one that most people are going to be interested in. What, how is it like? And most importantly, why should I attend tech conferences? Exactly. So thinking about what a conference is, if you've never been to a tech conference, in a sense, it's a little bit like you're going to watch a movie, but the movie is focused on tech topics, right? <laughs> so you're going to see all of the best speakers in the industry, or at least most of them, and they're going to be talking about topics that you are interested in. The great thing about this is that at this conference, you will hear from people who know a lot about stuff that you work with every day. And you will learn something. I've never been to a conference where I would get nothing out of it. I always get tips and tricks. That's 100% guaranteed that you, you learn something from one or more speakers. Because usually a conference is going to be one day, two days, up to three days at times, sometimes even more if they do workshops before or after. So it could be quite long and quite intense because it just, you know, talk after talk, after talk, after talk. Uh, so yeah, you, you're going to learn something out of it. And so that's the part where you just, you know, sit down, listen to content, assimilate stuff, take notes and, and learn new things, um, which is the part that is the most natural to think about when we think conferences. But there's a lot more going on at conferences because the thing is, 
these events usually have a few hundreds to a few thousands of attendees, right? And because there are so many tech people going to one place, what's going to happen usually is that you have companies that sponsor the conference. And these companies, they go there usually for two reasons. Either they have a product that they want to show you and they want the attendees to be aware of it, which sometimes is also a way to learn about something new. For instance, uh, we're, we're an Angular podcast here, so you might learn about a new component library for Angular or a new grid implementation for Angular or just a new company that does Angular stuff that you didn't know about. So the sponsors give a lot of... Um, they also give stuff away. So if you if you like swag, T-shirts, mugs, stickers, all of that, you'll get tons of them. Um, but yeah, these companies either show their services and sometimes they sponsor the conference because they are hiring. And they know that people who go to conferences are usually people who want to learn new things, who are involved in their career, who want to you know, make progress and, and climb the ladder. So it's a great place for companies to recruit people. So if you're looking for opportunities, going to a conference could be a very good idea because you are going to meet people and companies who are hiring. That's almost guaranteed at any conference. You'll see, you'll see that kind of thing happen. So yeah, that's kind of the broad spectrum of so the benefits you can expect, really. And um, the, the other aspect that I didn't mention, even though I said there would be hundreds or, or thousands of people, is networking, of course. So if you're an introvert, it's it's more tricky. And, and many people in tech are introverts. <laughs> so it's very often at lunches and dinner, you know, people kind of sit alone at their own table and, and don't try to interact too much. Uh, but if you want to connect with lots of people, that's the best possible way to do it because you have all of these people with the same mindset about the technology. They are all developers or managers or, you know, they just want to learn that technology and get better at it. So it's, it's a great way to connect with lots of people who have the same ideas, the same mindset, the same, you know, vision, work on the same thing, basically. Um, so yeah, that's a broad picture I can paint for attending to conferences. Do you guys see anything that I missed or anything else to add? Awesome, awesome food. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Like if you go to a, say, a different country or different location, you might get some cuisines of that location and that is, that is good. Yeah, um, I don't have anything to add to that list, but I would like to play bad cop and kind of <laughs> criticize some of them so that we can really, because I think a lot of people are going to be listening to this and they're going to be a bit skeptical about some of those benefits. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to play their role and ask some questions until we, we try to break it down into the reality of how is it like the experience. So for example, one thing that I really liked that you mentioned was that you learn about the speakers. Uh -huh. And that's interesting because 
uh, I think one of the most common misconceptions about the experience is that you go there to like explicitly to learn a new technology or something. But I don't think that's the most productive way to learn a new technology. Like if you really, if I want to learn a new technology, I wouldn't go to a conference to do it. First, because I would have to wait for the conference to happen. And then by the time it happens, then I will have already lost the timing of why I wanted to learn the technology in the first place. And maybe it's just not going to go into the parts of the technology that I really want to go. So the most productive way that I see to learn a new tech is to actually go through the docs of that particular technology or maybe just look on tutorials on the internet or blog posts, but I wouldn't necessarily go to a tech conference to learn about a new technology. But then you said you go there to learn about the speaker that is talking about that technology. And I think that's really interesting, but I would like to know how much people can actually expect that because it I, I'm guessing that this really is a ratio, and I, I think that a lot of speakers may not be able to give a lot of of individual or particular tips and tricks. A lot of them, maybe uh, speakers that are starting out, they can maybe not be too personal and mm -hmm. think that this is a good thing, but then it ends up they end up delivering an information that people could get somewhere else. So they lose the aspect of knowing how the speaker would do things differently. So um, what can people actually expect in that point of getting to know the speaker and how the speaker mm -hmm. would do things? Yeah, these are very good points. So the first one, you said, if I want to learn something from scratch, a conference doesn't seem to be the best idea. I agree with that. If you're just starting with Angular, going to an Angular conference is probably going to be overwhelming because a lot of stuff is going to be thrown at you and you have no idea what it is. So that's probably too much. That said, if you started learning on your own and you have a few weeks or months of experience of you know trying to learn and getting some pieces together and starting coding with the technology, then going to a conference is going to be perfect because the picture is going to, everything's going to start clicking, right? You'll see a lot more examples, a lot more APIs, and, and, and you'll see things really click and come together. Another thing about going to conferences is that it's a great way to stay up to date with the technology because not everyone is going to be reading blogs about what's going on with Angular or, you know, following the Angular team on a daily basis, watching YouTube videos and, and such. Whereas a conference is a way to say, okay, I have these two or three days aside to do just that. And I do it once a year, for instance. That way, once a year, you go to your Angular conference of choice, you get fully up to date, you're, you're basically back on track. And, and what I really see at every single conference that I go is that when people go back home, they're just excited. They want to code more because they learn tips and tricks and they just want to use them now. They, they feel like they have this new knowledge that they want to make use of. So I agree with the beginner part. 
it's not the best thing to do if you're already 100% new. But if you have a little bit of experience, if you try it on your own for at least a few weeks, then a conference is going to be very, very helpful. And, and it's, it can be really yeah, super impressive what, what you get out of it. Um, the second part of your question was the speakers. How do you get um, you know, the, the, the maximum out of the speakers, I would say? The first thing, especially in tech conferences, is that most of the speakers are accessible. You can really, after they're done with their talks, they're going to become attendees, basically. They're going to be with the crowd, and you can basically meet them anywhere where the conference happens. Conferences are usually in a hotel or a conference center, and the speakers stay at that same hotel or same place. So they are always around. They're always in, in the area. And, you know, in between the talks, during the breaks, you'll see them talk to people and, and basically socialize around. So it's very easy to go and meet them. And most of them are very open to that. Um, the other thing that conferences do, and I'm going to mention ng-conf. I have to because it's just the best Angular conference there is. Uh, if you go to ng-conf, they actually have a lunch with the speakers. So you can go and there's one table for each speaker. You can go and have lunch with one or several speakers if you want. You can just go to a table and then move to another one and basically ask any questions that you want. So it's kind of an ask me anything format. And several conferences do that, uh, not necessarily as a lunch or a dinner. Sometimes it's just a Q&A panel that is going to be in a specific room. You can go and meet, let's say, five or six speakers, ask them questions and, and everything. This is always very, very popular. A lot of people go there because it's really the official opportunity to go and talk to a speaker. If the speaker is there, basically they, they expect questions, right? They are open to interacting and everything. So you know that you're not going to be uh, bothering them, I would say. It's, it's safe to go and ask questions. That's, that's the thing. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's really the, the important part. The other thing about the learning or, or the getting information from speakers is that every time I go to a conference, I have no idea what I'm going to learn. And sometimes I go to a talk because the topic seems to be interesting to me. And then I'm going to realize that 95% of what the speaker says I already know. So it's not that interesting. But I'm always going to pick something anyways. Sometimes they're going to be using a plugin in their ID that I didn't know about. Sometimes I just have some a terminal with some customization that I like. There's always something new that I see and that I can pick from a talk. Also, because I'm a speaker as well, sometimes I like the examples that they use. So I can get you know some tips and tricks from the speaker itself from a from a technical standpoint, in a sense, uh, how to do good public speaking. But that that's a slightly different topic. Um, does that answer your concern or question around speakers, or is, is there anything else to to add? It does. It does, and I really like that you brought up the point of the chance of talking to speakers outside of their uh, speaking time 
because mm-hmm. that is really something that people won't be able to to have if they don't attend to the conference. Like even the actual speech is something that a lot of conferences are going to put up on YouTube for free uh, or maybe not right after it ends, but a while after it's going to go uh, into YouTube somehow. But you really don't have this opportunity of getting to the speaker afterwards and asking you is asking this person exactly what you would like to know. So if if you don't find your answer during the speaking time, then you can still look for it afterwards when the person is in the crowd or even better when it's the moment of actually making questions to the speaker. So that's really, really interesting. Um, how about the the recruiters. So how, uh, I understand that there will be recruiters in those conferences, Mm -hmm. but how much is that really impactful? Like, could you, could it be into a point where you say, if you go to like five conferences, you're probably getting a job offer (laughs) because (laughs) I, I don't know, like how many recruiters can you expect to find there? What is the chance of you finding your new job in a conference? So I would say, from my experience, there's always at least one company that's out there just for that purpose of recruiting. And when the company does this, it's not like an agency or anything. Most of the time, it would be a bank, an insurance company, meaning they want to hire their own developer. They're not trying to hire someone that they're going to contract out to somebody else. They're really looking to build their own team and and they put a lot of investment into it, right? They have to pay for a booth at the conference. They have to pay for swag. It's probably several thousands of dollars just to do this. So they are very serious about hiring people. That's that's for sure. Um, If you go to a conference that is really your thing, so let's say you're an Angular person, you're going to an Angular conference. You have lots of experience with Angular. You're looking for a new job. I would say it's very likely that you, you're going to be able to find something and, and and at least get into an interview for sure. I, yeah. Because the thing is, even if they go there, there's not hundreds of people looking for a new job at any time, right? It might be just a, a small subset, maybe one, two let's say 5% to make it bigger, but still, um, yeah, I I think it's very, very likely that, because the thing is they're looking for Angular people. They know they're going to that Angular conference because they're going to find the right profiles. And you as an attendee go with that same idea. So, So basically the match is a lot easier to make than if you apply to a job online without that context setup, right? Uh, you also get to speak to them directly. I would believe that some of these companies would even do interviews on site at the conference from time to time. I'm pretty sure they do that. So, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I had experience of similar experience, but uh, I would ask, like to ask, like, what is the ratio of getting, uh, mostly asking in terms of getting a job in a conference versus in a hackathon? 
because i mm. attend lot of hackathon and i think in most almost every hackathon the sponsor company or some other company will offer you a job yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. so yeah but, and, uh, and the hackathon is even better in that sense because the attendees are coding <laughs> so they are yeah. showcasing their skills and and basically it it does a lot of the job you know out, out of the box without doing anything else so a conference might be a little bit different in that perspective but we could also see it the way that if you go to a hackathon you want to showcase your skills which means maybe you're really looking for a job whereas a conference you'll have people who have been working for 5 10 plus years with the technology mm-hmm. they're fine with their jobs or they're self employed they, they don't care about these people trying to recruit so the the competition might be less intense at a conference than at a hackathon that's that's my guess yeah um yeah, yeah. but yeah i don't have exact numbers or, or stats it's just you know yeah, yeah. intuition so what, I is, uh, <laughs> what i wanted to ask was like in hackathon mostly maybe the uh, two runners up or maybe the three top three top five they got their uh, demos and they yeah offer them jobs so how like what should be the procedure here like you just go and approach their booth they say that i am looking for a job or uh, oh yeah because mm-hmm. yeah so these companies that come specifically for recruiting usually they are very open about it and and they basically have big signs we are hiring <laughs> and okay. sometimes they're even going to go on stage between talks and say hey by the way we're trying to recruit 20 developers come to us find us at the booth we'll we'll talk and and everything Th- that's their only mm-hmm. purpose because think about it it's an angular conference and there's a bank or an insurance company coming here why are they here well with the chance to hire people they're not trying to sell anything they just say we we want good developers and we know we're going to find them at a conference so that's why they're here mm-hmm. and 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 usually they have hr people on site to 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 help so they're not sales people they're really just focused on on the hiring and uh and yeah but they Basically as soon as you approach the booth they know why you're coming. <laughs> they they basically mm-hmm. expect you to have a resume in your end and, and stuff. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, so cool. the problem of figuring out which companies are hiring this is not a problem of the attendee. Like it, the it company is, is going to take care of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And even sometimes the other companies so the ones that do angular stuff they're also hiring and then they would mention it like oh we by the way we're also recruiting right now so even the regular sponsors of the conference might be looking for help as well mm-hmm. interesting awesome um and lastly um i'm going to apply the same line of questioning for the networking so mm-hmm. how can you extract the most amount of value from networking um also keeping in mind the well i think the most important point is going to be the social expectations of people especially developers i think in general there is um uh, a stereotype of developers being more shy and having more difficulties approaching 
new people to meet and etc. And I think I can't say that this is the case for everyone, of course, but I think it is uh, a stereotype that really does uh-huh. make sense. And uh-huh. it really is something that we can see uh, from our peers. So how it's can... It's like for mo- most of people. Yes, yes. Um, so how would a regular stereotype developer extract the most amount of value from networking? So one thing that all of the conferences have in common is that when there is a break for lunch or something, they have these tables. So usually it's a a round table and and you can sit probably at least 10 people around it. So you're going to have to sit at a table to have your lunch and other people are going to sit around. And sometimes discussions start. If everybody's shy and introverted, then everybody sits in their corner and doesn't say anything for the entire lunch. This happens. I've seen it. But most of the time, you'll have at least two or three people that start discussing stuff. And they're going to start discussing topics that, you know, relate to the conference. So maybe they're going to start talking about standalone components. And one guy is going to say, oh, we started using standalone components in our app. And and we did this and that. And oh, and we failed at doing this. And the other is going to... And basically, because they start talking about technical stuff, it's easier to get into that conversation. You can say, oh, we also tried and we did this and that, and then it worked. You can basically contribute and help. You don't have to start from scratch, right? You don't have to start, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. You can really piggyback on an existing conversation and contribute to it or just be a passive listener and just learn from what these people are saying. That That's also a possibility. But... Yeah, very often it's just so tempting to contribute because if they're talking about stuff you're, you know about and you've, you've done it in a specific way, you, you'll just want to share. It's just natural that you, know, you want to see it. So probably the easiest way to get into networking and, 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 and interact with people is with lunches or breaks where people have to sit at a table. It's fairly random and, and you can start, you know, interacting, contributing to discussions and and such. Awesome. Okay. Um, Unless there's any specific points that you two want to bring up about the attendee experience, I think it would be interesting for us to start talking about the speaker experience now. Yeah, definitely. We can transition into the, the speaker experience. And... So the first thing I want to say is that anybody can speak at a conference. That's the first point I want to make. You don't have to be a Google employee or a Microsoft employee or be a GDE or a MVP. You don't need a specific title or work for any specific company to speak at a conference. The way it works is that a few months before the conference, they are going to uh, publish on their website what is called a CFP, which is call for papers. And that CFP is a way to say, if you have any idea of things you want to talk about, just submit your idea. And that's really how everything gets started. So if I want to speak at a conference uh, in India in October, for instance, I would go to their website, I would find the link to the CFP, 
So sometimes they call it CFP, sometimes they call it speakers or call for speakers, call for papers. You would go there and you fill out a form. You get your name, the talk you want to do, title, description, keywords. Usually they ask if you have any previous speaking experience, but some of them don't. Some of them don't care. They're just going to focus on the idea that you have and nothing else. Uh, and then you submit the form and that's it. You applied to speak at a conference. How crazy is that? Anybody can do it. <laughs> it's fully public. There's no filter. You can go ahead and, and apply. Um, so why would you do that <laughs> is the next thing. Why would you speak at a conference? Um, when we started this podcast, I mentioned that when you go to a conference as an attendee, it's like going to the movies. It's like going to a movie theater. You sit down and you watch the speakers do their stuff. Now, as a speaker, it's kind of the same thing, but you're on stage. So you're, you're the movie star, in a sense. <laughs> and when you start speaking at conferences, you are becoming known. Basically, your name is out there. The conference, they are, they want to sell tickets. So they are going to push information about you and your talk and everything on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, you name it. It's going to be all over the place. Once you've spoken at conferences, if people Google your name, they are going to find out those websites, basically. So as a speaker, your profile instantly becomes a lot more public than what it was before. Again, it's as if you know, you've, you've never been an actor in a movie and all of a sudden you've made a movie. So now you're, you're an actor, right? And, and people recognize that and it gives you a completely different status. That's, that's a very big deal. I cannot emphasize enough how big it is. <laughs> uh, and it makes sense, right? Think about it. You go to a movie, you watch the actors, you're like, oh, wow, this, this is really good stuff. If you see that actor 10 seconds later in the streets, you'll be like, oh, wow, they're right here. And there's this star effect, right? You want to, to get an autograph or do a selfie or that sort of thing. It's pretty much the same with a the conference. There is that same star effect. A little bit less, of course. It's not Hollywood. <laughs> and, and tech speakers are not that famous. But still, um, still, it's, it does change how people see you. And if you want to, let's say, start a business or become a GD or do something that is going to require you to interact with lots of people, find clients, all of these things, speaking at a conference is really a great way to get your profile out there. And, and then people know about you. And then you're not just alone trying to do your own stuff anymore. A lot of people are going to see that you exist from now on. That's, that's really the, the, the main thing, right? Um, so that's from a profile perspective. Any questions on that before I get into the, the other aspects of, of being a speaker? Um, well, you mentioned a lot of good parts about being a speaker. I imagine that there's also a lot of pressure into delivering. I mean, you're going to be on the stage. 
So you're saying, oh, it's the same thing. It's just that you're on stage. <laughs> and also there's a, a chance that you, you're going to freeze there and you're going to be like, oh, shit, <laughs> like the demo is not working. So there's this, <laughs> this fear that people might have, which 99.99% of the cases is just fiction and people extrapolating for the worst possible scenario ever. But still, there is that. So I think we will also need to talk about how to deal with this. And yeah, does yeah. it get easier over time? Yeah. So first thing is don't do a live demo on stage. <laughs> don't rely on <laughs> Wi-Fi either. Just have everything offline, download it on your machine. If you want to show interactivity, you can record a video that will be playing, but everything offline, right? especially for your first conferences. That you know, makes it a lot easier. I love doing live coding. And I do that now, but my very first conferences, I would not do that. Too scary uh, and too risky. <laughs> um, being on stage, yes, it is scary. It does get easier over time. But the thing is, you choose a topic, right? It is your talk idea that you are delivering on stage. So if, let's say you, you, you've been doing forms with Angular forever, you know everything about forms and you have some tips and tricks you want to share, or you have a great example of complex form, you just want to showcase and how you did it and everything. This is a topic that you know 100%. You know everything about it. You're super comfortable with it. So when you're on stage, you just know the thing, right? There's no way it can disappear instantly. And, and that's what helps, really. If you pick a topic that you're 100% comfortable with, that you could do pretty much eyes closed, no scripts, you just know it in and out because you've been doing it forever, then, yeah, it, it, it makes things a lot easier, a lot less stressful. The most difficult part of being a speaker it's the five minutes before you get on stage. That's, that's the most difficult part because you have your laptop, you're ready, you see the previous talk going on in the room, you're basically stressed, you're right there waiting either behind the scene, behind the stage, you see lots of people, the lights, everything, and you just start freaking out. That's the most difficult part. Once you step on stage and you start doing the thing, you basically forget about all of it because you just have to, to deliver now. So and, and you know the content, so you just get into it and then it's automatic. Mm -hmm. But the five minutes before, that's so difficult. I still don't know how to deal with this. It's 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 hard. <laughs> yeah, my philosophy now is I just know it's gonna be five difficult minutes, but that's that's okay. Nothing can happen, it's just waiting. <laughs> I think one one thing I can uh, say from my experience, not about the conference, about the videos and uh, some other uh, public speaking stuff, like uh, it happens with everyone. Like it, it, uh, what my thought was before doing a video or maybe before uh, speaking on on a lot lot of people that that I am only bad at this. This nervousness and numbness is only happening to me. But it's not the case. It happens to all the people. And if you have that mindset and goes to the stage, then then uh, they know that if some something will go wrong, what what worst can happen? Like you will correct that and you will ask them, exactly. "Sorry, this is this is wrong." And 
So this fear will go away. So th this is what my hack of internal level thought like, uh, I'm not the worst. Everyone <laughs> has the same issue. Exactly. And, and the and, audience is all, all of our peers. They're all developers. They yeah. know that stuff sometimes doesn't work because, I mean, that's what we do every day, right? We code something, we think it's going to work. Oh no, something is not working. Why? Same thing can happen on stage. People understand it. I've seen a couple of times where the speaker had not like a panic attack, but almost because things were not going as expected. And the crowd was very supportive. Basically, everyone starting saying, oh, you're going to do it, no problem, and, and clapping and encouraging her. It was amazing, meaning people are, they want you to succeed when you're on stage. Mm -hmm. And most of the audience, they know that they would not want to be on stage either, right? Because they know it's a scary thing to do. So they are not going to judge you because you're on stage. It's quite the opposite. They want you to succeed. They want, and, and they're going to be very supportive of what you do in any case. Yeah. Awesome. Excellent points. I really like the actionable points about not having a demo and having everything offline. <laughs> That's a really, That's really a great deep. tip. That's a pro, pro tip. tip. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. Um, what else do you think it's important to talk about in terms of the speaker experience? So in terms of speaker experience, the, the, the conference, they see, they see the speakers as their stars. Sometimes even more than the attendees would see you as a prominent speaker or, or anything. So the conferences, they do their best to make the speakers happy in a sense that they're going to organize a speaker dinner for you. They're going to give you gifts. They are going to, you know, you, you get a lot of stuff out of conference, gifts, food. Uh, they, they really want people to come back and be happy with the experience they have. Uh, sometimes they're going to organize events for speakers. I've been on a cruise at a conference on a boat. Uh, in Sydney, Australia, which was amazing, right? You know, being on a boat around the opera in Sydney, all paid by the conference, perfect. <laughs> uh, so they do really, really good and fun stuff for the speakers, always, because they want the speakers to be happy and come back the next year, basically. Um, which also means that most conferences are going to pay for the hotel, and you, you don't get to pay for the conference ticket. So you go there for free. That's always guaranteed, basically. If you are a speaker at a conference, you can attend the entire thing for free. Um, most conferences are going to pay the hotel. And I would say most of them would also pay for travel to the conference place because it's rare that you would have a conference in your own city unless you live in New York or San Francisco. Um, conferences are all over the place. So most of the time you have to travel there and many conferences are going to pay for your flight to get to the, the conference. So flight, hotel, food, uh, conference tickets. You can pretty much expect all of this to be covered by the conference, which is a big benefit because most of the time we are talking you know, at least $2,000 if you count all of these things together. So it's, it's a pretty good gift. <laughs> yeah. And do you, 
is it easy to talk to the um, to the organizers and maybe arrange for you to go back to your country at a later date and then you can turn that uh, conference into travel? Because oh, I yeah. imagine that that's something that would be very interesting for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm a traveler myself. So the year before COVID, I applied to conferences in London, in Sydney, and I went to Bolivia in South America. So I did, my goal was to do all continents in that year. It's it just lucky that it was the year before COVID because then we could not travel for like two or three years. So I, I, somehow I got that luck of, of doing it. And for Sydney, for instance, I didn't want to travel to Australia just to the conference and come back because that would be, you know, I think it was 16 or 17 hours of travel to get there. So <laughs> it had to be worth it. So I, I talked to the organizers. I said, hey, can I fly one week earlier? And it was a lot less expensive to, to do that. The, the plane ticket was a lot less expensive. So I said, just fly me one week earlier. And uh, they paid for just a few hotel nights. I paid the rest. But I, I spent one week in Sydney. And I used that to travel and explore and everything. Did the same in London. Did the same in Bolivia. So I was able to travel and visit uh yeah, usually they are flexible, the organizers, especially if you find a good flight that's less expensive than what they would pay for, then they're just going to say yes. <laughs> Another if what about tip. like, yeah, what about the like, the visa? So suppose uh, you, you they, they will give you a uh, visitor visa, like you need to apply for a visa or something. Yeah, visas usually, because a conference is very short, just two or three days, you don't need a work visa or anything. It's it's very much like a tourist visa, I believe. Um, the only time I had to get some kind of visa was when I went to India, I believe. I had to do something online before and get some documents not sure if it was a visa, but something similar to just say, hey, I'm going to be five days, one week there and, and do some, a, a talk and everything. So, yeah, based on the country, I would just ask the organizers. They usually know about these things because they get speakers from other countries. So they're familiar with the process and they can guide you of, you know, how to do things and and, and everything, but most of the time, because they're very short conferences, you don't have to do much mm -hmm. in terms of paperwork upfront. You need a passport if you travel internationally, for sure. But uh, other than that, it should be easy. Yep, yep. I think I would like to go back a bit, and like in terms of uh, suppose I want to present something in the conference. So according to what all things I should keep in my mind, like how I should structure a talk and uh, how the things should flow. So how, what would be your suggestion on that? Yeah. So one of the difficulties when applying to a conference is that they all have different talk formats. Some of them are going to have a 
20-minute talk or five-minute. Uh, NGConf has these five-minute talks, for instance, which is very, very, very short, five minutes. Some of them have a one-hour format. So every talk is one hour, one hour, one hour, which is very long. So based on that, it's going to change a lot of things of you know how you approach what you're going to do on stage. A short talk, you cannot really get into complex examples. You ha- you'd have to be very focused on the higher level stuff and, and show less code and, and those sort of things. Whereas if you have an hour, you can really go deep and and show a lot of different examples, maybe do some live coding. Yeah, when I have an hour, I tend to do live coding at some point because, and and, and I try to get questions from the audience. That's the other thing to, to be aware of. Is there a Q&A at the end of the session or not? Because some conferences do that. They would say, hey, you have a 45-minute talk, and then we have 15 minutes of Q&A. And they have, you know, fa- facilitators in the room with microphones to just get people to ask questions. Um, so yeah, this is good to know upfront so, so that you can get ready for that uh, if, if that's the case. Um, Content-wise, yeah, how to know what to talk about, what not to talk about, how deep to go. That's, that's difficult to answer because it really becomes second nature with experience. Once you've done it two or three times, you realize when you go too deep or not enough, and then you, you just adjust and you have the right thing. So what I would say is if you're planning to do a talk at a conference, before you do the actual talk, do it at a meetup before. So just submit the same talk to a meetup or a podcast <laughs> and, and basically do the same thing. That way, that's an official rehearsal where you just go through your content and you're going to see what works and what doesn't. And you'll see the kind of questions people have around it. And then you can really tune your content and make it better. I think I've done that for pretty much every single talk I've been giving at a big conference. I would have a smaller meetup smaller event where I do the same talk two months before, just to make sure the content works and it's not too long, too short. I get people where I want them to be, all of that. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, like, it doesn't seem like it, but it's been 47 minutes already. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, we talked a lo- about a lot of things. It it almost feels like it was just five minutes because it went by so fast. I really felt really engaged with uh, with this subject. So, and I think that was mostly on you. You had a great way to to give us the examples. I, I even loved the storytelling when you were uh, yeah. you were talking about some of the examples. I really felt myself there. That was really good, man. Um, but yeah, I think we will need to start wrapping up here um, before this actually becomes a movie. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, is there anything that you want to say before we start wrapping up and doing picks and promotions? Um, yeah, if people consider speaking at conferences, if they want to do it, but they're not sure, 
they can send me an email with you know their talk idea and I can give them assistance. I'm, I'm always happy to do that. Um, so yeah, we can share my contact details. People can reach out to me on LinkedIn or Twitter or anything. And I'd be happy to give my you know, two cents on uh, their idea and, and hopefully help them speak at a conference. That's really nice of you. Awesome. Well, I, I always like to help people get things done. So, <laughs> Awesome. Okay, so let's get started with that. So where can people find you? So I would say LinkedIn is one of the best ways to find me. Uh, otherwise, you can go to my website, angulartraining.com. And in the bottom right corner of the website, there's a chat window. You can just click here, type something, and it's going to come to my email inbox. So that's also an easy one. The email address is somewhere on that page too. So angulartraining.com. That's basically me. You'll find the stuff to contact me on that page. Awesome. And all we're going to put might all those Google links. You. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> should work. Easiest <laughs> Uh, we're going to put all those links in the show notes. So if you're watching on your favorite uh, podcast player, you can just go to the description and you will find the links there. Um, Alain, what else are you working on that you would like to share with the audience? So my main initiative this year has been a daily Angular newsletter. So I'm writing an email every day not every day, five days per week. So every workday, I'm sending an email with content about Angular. It's meant to be short, you know, 30 seconds to a couple of minutes to read it, focus on one single topic every day. And we basically cover, I mean, lots of ground. We've done hundreds of those already uh, since the beginning of the year. Every day I send something meant to be useful, tactical, to the point, so people can learn something new every day about Angular. It's free. You can sign up on angulartraining.com. There's a few links to the newsletter out there. So yeah, feel free to, to, to join and, and you'll receive the next one. Awesome. Also, um, I, have to, I have to say, after your last episode here, which by the way, if anyone wants to hear, um, I don't recall by head what is the number of the episode, but it was fairly recent, wasn't too long ago. And we talked about the process of becoming a Google developer expert and how was it for Align to, to get to this position. And after that, um, we, we chatted. Um, so I connected with Align on LinkedIn, et cetera. And he was showing me that he actually has a certification for Angular developers, which I thought was extremely interesting because I didn't knew of anyone else doing that or if they were not in the level of quality that Alain is doing and certainly not with his credentials. So I really need to mention this. So for if you're a company and you want to make sure that all your Angular developers uh, have the same level of expertise, you can just put them to do uh, online certification and that way you will find out their respective technical levels and you'll be able to figure out uh, which developers you you should dedicate more time for training based on that assessment. And you can also 
um, if you find this issue and you figure out that you have people that need to be uh, properly trained to reach the level of quality that you want in your company, then you can also hire Align to do this for you. So it's the perfect scenario. You can evaluate the knowledge of your developers. Uh, you can even do that through hiring processes. So if you are in doubt about three candidates and you only have one spot, for example, you can just ask Align for uh um, for his assessment on that, and then he can apply his certification process in those three candidates and then give you an answer of which one he thinks would be a best fit for your company. So I think there are hundreds of use cases for what Align offers in his company, Angular Training, and I think more companies and more individuals too should be aware because if I were looking for a job as an Angular developer, uh, I would first look for authority on that field. So in my particular case, I am the host of Adventures in Angular, so that helps. Um, but if it weren't for that, I would definitely be looking for certifications. But truthfully speaking, nowadays, everybody can say that they did an online course about Angular. That doesn't say anything. That just That only says that you watched all the videos. But if you get a certification from angulartraining.com, then it actually tells the world that you not only um, studied, but you actually fixated that knowledge and you know how to apply it, which is a lot more interesting and a lot more valuable to companies looking for hire. So yeah, Alain, if you're not going to sell it, I'm going to sell it for you. <laughs> yeah, and what's making it unique is that it's not just a quiz that people answer questions and then they have a certificate. There's a coding test. So you have to code an app in Angular. And then there's an interview with a GDE where you have to answer questions about that code and everything. So we really try to check the person in depth that they really know Angular. So people cannot cheat. If you have that certification, you're, you're basically proving that you are the real deal. There's, there's no way around it. You, you've written code, you've done an interview, you're, you're already a good developer if you are certified by us. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. So... It totally makes sense. I think uh, if you are, want to be ahead of the race, you have a certification from Ireland. Um, so in my case, I'm going to promote my company. So for those of you that maybe aren't aware of it, I am uh, the CEO of Envoid. So we are a software development company and we are specialized in Angular. Thus, the fact that I am here talking to all of you. So if you have a project that you would like to outsource or that you would like to bring external help, because that's the thing, you don't need to outsource the entire project. Maybe you just need a couple of developers to help your team, to extend your team, um, then we can help you with that. And we can do it with developers that are really specialized in Angular. And we literally say no to everything else. So it's not a generalist company that takes every single software development project. No, it's more like if it's not inside or uh, our scope of things that we can really do well, then we just say no. And we say no for your own benefit because we don't want to uh, we want we don't want you paying for premium quality and receiving mediocre. So if you hire us, 
you should know that you're going to receive premium quality. Otherwise, we're just going to tell you, hey, I'm sorry, but we can't do this for you. So if that's a question that you have, can Lucas's company do this for me? Then just go to envoy.com and then fill out the form to talk directly to me. And we can have a meeting where you can explain to me what is your necessity and we can talk about whether this is something that we would be able to help you or not. That's going to be my promo. Um, Subret is having a few technical issues. He is probably going to be back uh, in a few minutes. When he gets back, I'm going to hand the ball to him. But in the meantime, I think we can go to picks. Do you have any picks that you would like to, to mention to the audience? Nothing that I can think of. Oh, so Brett is back. So I guess oh. you can let so him Brett. do the, his promo. <laughs> yeah. Your turn. What would you like to promote? Yeah, promotion point of view, currently I'm not working in anything. I'm in a vacation to India uh, for a month. So that's why my videos have stopped being public. But uh, I have uh, coded everything. I have coded uh, mostly the micro front end part using NX. So that's the thing you guys can expect. Uh, maybe maybe in a month, I will release uh, one by one videos. And sorry, I'm being, being very late, but as I'm in India, I don't have any equipment with me, so I'm not able to edit. But yeah, apart from that, I'm working in some, some other, other projects of uh, something related to deals with Amazon sellers. That's that might go public and I might uh, say it and maybe in some podcast. Awesome. Great. Okay. So that was it for promos in terms of picks. Alan, you mentioned that he doesn't have any particular picks. Um, I'll be honest. I don't have either. Most times when I get to this part of the show, I'm like freaking out and thinking, oh, Jesus, I always forget <laughs> about picks. And then I start thinking about some random thing. But the truth is, most times I really don't. They either come up at the spot or they don't. And today I don't have any. So, Subred, unless you have some shiny, amazing thing to bring to the audience, I think we won't have any picks today. Yeah, I will usually uh, pick a book like that. I used to do if you don't have anything, I'll pick a book. Like the uh, one book I was just thinking of buying is uh, The Mountain Is You uh, by Brenna West. So just go ahead and check if it is uh, visible. I haven't re read that though. I just uh, looked through it, the uh, reviews on YouTube and all. It seems good. Like it seems how you feel yourself uh, and how you can don't feel small. You are the mountain and you can handle everything by yourself. That's the, what I got from the reviews, but I yet to read the whole books. I'll back again with uh, another pick if it is very, very good. Cool. Okay. I'm always really divided on that. I never know if the spiritual coach is going to give you, is going <laughs> to give me a life insight or if I'm just going to finish the book and think, ah, okay, it was just that. But yeah, it's definitely a 50-50 chance every time I get a book like this. Yeah. One thing, uh, I realize about by reading books as it is it's always uh, about who is re reading the book so you will get the insight according to your beliefs and thoughts 
said my might be like you get something else and i if i read the same book i will get something else out of it so it depends on who is reading so good insight okay so i think that was all align you should know that you are more than welcome to come back anytime you want so it's a pleasure to have you on the show you bring excellent insights and always detailed examples of your past experiences i'm very thankful for that and yeah it was a lovely episode thank you thank you for having me bye everyone and i'll see you in the next episode